0: I'd like to welcome you and thank you for joining us this Sunday as we continue our study of the Psalms. And I invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 139, Psalm 139 this morning. Now, as we read through Psalm 139, you will see that a major shift occurs at verse 19. The first 18 verses, as we'll see, speak beautifully and poetically of the Lord's knowledge of presence, and creative work. But then verse 19 shifts gears and it says, Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Now this shift in tone and theme has led many critics to believe that verses 19 through 24 were just added later. Somebody just tagged them on to the end of verses 1 through 18 and formed a new psalm. They just don't seem to fit with what has gone before. Nevertheless, I believe that there are many reasons to affirm that this psalm was written as a united whole. And in fact, we will miss the whole point of verses 1 through 18 if we don't understand what is going on throughout the end of this psalm, particularly how these verses end. In verses 23-24, through we read, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This psalm is about knowing the heart. It is about uncovering those hidden motivations that lead us astray and about how we need the all-knowing eye of God to search our hearts. If we blindly follow our desires, we will only fall into destruction. However, if you would trust the Lord, you will be led in the way everlasting. So hear now the Word of the Lord. Psalm 139. O Lord, You have searched me In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. O that you would slay the wicked, O God! O men of blood, depart from me! The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come to you on this day and we pray that you would lead us in the way everlasting. We pray that as we take now these few moments to reflect upon your word that has been inspired by your spirit and delivered to us, that we might read and trust and believe we ask O god that you would form our hearts take out our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh that we might follow you we pray it in christ's holy name amen the book the goldfinch has been one of the most popular and widely awarded books of the last 10 years. It was even made into a movie recently, I've heard. And without going too deep into the 700-plus page plot, it is a coming-of-age book about a young boy who gets caught up in numerous pitfalls and he struggles to understand the relationship between motive and morality. Now, at the end of the book, the main character, Theodore Decker, reflects on his experiences... And he says something rather profound. Listen to this quote. He says, isn't it drilled into us constantly from childhood on? An unquestioned platitude in the culture from William Blake to Lady Gaga, from Rousseau to Remy to Tosca to Mr. Rogers. It's a curiously uniform message accepted from high to low. When in doubt, what to do? How do we know what's right for us? Every shrink, every career counselor, every Disney princess knows the answer. Be yourself. Follow your heart. Only here's what I really, really want someone to explain to me. What if one happens to be possessed of a heart that can't be trusted What if the heart for its own unfathomable reasons leads one willfully in a cloud of unspeakable radiance away from health, domesticity, civic responsibility, and strong social connections and all the blandly held common virtues and instead straight towards a beautiful flare of ruin, self-immolation, and disaster? Again, What if one happens to be possessed of a heart that can't be trusted? Over and over again, we are told that the answer to life's problems lie within. We are told that the need is to reflect and to look within, and then we will know the right path forward in life. And yet, the reflections of Theodore Decker do not merely apply to a few morally corrupt individuals, but rather to every single human being. We are all possessed of a heart that cannot be trusted. In a book that is blatantly non-Christian, the author has stumbled upon a truth that is profoundly biblical. The heart of man cannot be trusted. Listen to a few verses throughout God's Word. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Jeremiah 17:9 The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick, who can understand it? And the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Mark For from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these things come from within. You see, we are continually being fed, and particularly our children are being fed a deceptive lie concerning the reliability of the human heart. For when we follow our heart, it will not lead us. To blessing and life, but rather to deceit and destruction. We are told that humanity is basically good, and yet it takes a Herculean effort of cognitive dissidence to believe this. For if the heart is such a good guide, why are we continually being led astray? If the heart is to be trusted, why do we continually sin against God and against one another? We understand, if you have children, you don't have to train your children to sin. They know how to do that on their own. They must be trained in the way to life everlasting. So then where are we to turn? Where are we to find guidance and direction in this world? In Psalm 139, what we find is the true guide that we need in life the compass that points true north. For we are blind and our hearts are bad guides leading us towards destruction. And yet there is one who knows you. There is one who is with you. There is one who has designed you whom you can trust. Psalm 139 teaches us not to look to ourselves, but to the Lord to guide and to direct us in the way that leads to life. Again, verses 23-24, through 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. And what we'll see in our psalm is that to be led in the way everlasting, we must trust the Lord's knowledge We must trust the Lord's presence and we must trust the Lord's design for our lives. So first, we must trust the Lord's knowledge of our hearts. In verses 1-6, through the psalmist explains that the Lord knows each of us better than we even know ourselves. Look at these verses starting in verse 1. O Lord, You have searched me and known me you know when i sit down and when i rise up you discern my thoughts from afar you search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways here we see that the lord has searched our hearts and he knows each and every one of us he knows our comings he knows our goings he even knows your thoughts and your motivations why you do things in short the lord knows everything about you Theologically, we call God's exhaustive knowledge His omniscience. He knows everything. As the Apostle John says, God is greater than our heart and He knows everything. However, we miss something very important if we come away from these verses believing that God's knowledge of us is clinical or detached in some way. For God does not merely know information about you. He is well acquainted with you. He knows you like a friend knows you. Or a parent or a spouse knows you. You must trust the Lord because He knows you personally. The next thing we see about the Lord's knowledge is that it is even greater than our knowledge of ourselves. Verses 4-6. through Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. You see, the Lord knows you so well that he knows what you will say even before you say it. That is, God knows the future. We have a hard enough time knowing who we are in the present, let alone trying to understand who and what we will be in the future. But God knows. He knows the path that you will take. He knows what words you will speak. He knows you better than you could ever even know yourself. Even as the psalmist says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. And if you would walk in the way everlasting That is, if you would live in a manner that is good and that is pleasing, if you would live a life of blessing, then you must trust the Lord's exhaustive knowledge of you. You must trust that He sees you and He will lead you. You must know that He knows your future and what it holds when you do not. We look out into the future and I know that We feel very helpless these days. It seems in days past we may have had some semblance of what the future may hold in the next month or two or three. And yet now we don't know what is going to happen with this virus. We can't see the future. And no matter how much we reflect, the answer is not within us. The pieces of the puzzle won't be found within We are trying to plan for the fall here at Rivermont. But over and over and over again, we keep having to say, well, we don't know what's going to happen in the next month. We don't know what's going to happen in the next six months. We don't know what is going to be in the future. Parents, you're thinking about school. About what's going to happen as you send your children to school. You're thinking, are they going to be in school? Are they going to have to come back home? You're wondering, is it a wise decision to send them to school or not? Maybe I should keep them home. And we don't know how to proceed. At work, you are trying to look to move forward. But you don't know how to take the next step because you feel like you're stepping out into the dark. If you would walk with wisdom in this time, Don't follow your heart, for it is filled with fear, it is filled with darkness, it is filled with doubt, it is filled with sin, and you will drive yourself into the ditch. Rather, trust the Lord. Trust His knowledge of you and of your future, and you will be led in the way everlasting. For we must trust the Lord who knows us and who knows our future better than we even know ourselves. It is common to speak of walking a mile in someone else's shoes to describe that process of coming to understand their situation. That is, when you enter into someone else's world, you begin to see things that you would have never known or understood This is one of the most powerful lessons of going on a short-term mission trip. It's to see how other Christians live in countries like El Salvador or Uganda. It is powerful to live even for a short period of time with those who live a very different life than your own. It will make you grateful, appreciative, and more understanding. And the amazing thing that we see in our text for this morning is that the Lord has chosen to be with His people. That is to walk in their shoes. While He is omniscient and omnipresent, God is also close and intimate and present. To put it in theological terms, He is both transcendent, that is He is high, and He is imminent, that is He is close. And as such, he both knows and understands all of our ways. Listen to verses 7 through 10. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. The psalmist is using extremes to speak of a whole. So no matter how high he goes, if he ascends to heaven, or how low he goes, if he makes his bed in Sheol, God is with him. The phrase, the wings of the morning, is speaking of the rising of the sun in the east. And talking about the uttermost parts of the sea is speaking of the west. Because if you can think geographically, in Israel, the Mediterranean Sea is to The west. And so what he is saying, no matter how high I I go or how low I go, you are there. No matter if I go all the way to the east or all the way to the west, you are there. The Lord is with us wherever we go. Even to the most dark places of our lives. For he continues in verses 11 and 12. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. It is common for us to believe or to at least feel like God is hidden from the ugly and painful parts of our lives. We have this false belief that He would not soil Himself by being present with us when we are at our worst. And yet, He is with us. He is with us in our sin and our pain and our hardship. He is with us when we try to run away. He is with us when we try to run home and can't. He is with us when addiction takes over yet again. When we become the worst version of ourselves, He is there. He is with us when we rage and rebel against Him. For it is His nature not to run from the brokenness of our lives, but rather to bring light into the darkness of our lives. Not to avoid sinful people, but to embrace them with His presence. We see this most clearly in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. For He is God Himself who took on human flesh. He lived on this earth. He walked in our shoes as it were. He was tempted. He was betrayed. He was killed. He even went into the darkness of death. Why? So that darkness could become light. So that He might overcome temptation. So that He might bring forgiveness of sins. So that He might bring new and everlasting life. Or to use the words of Psalm 139, so that He might lead us in the way everlasting. Why must we trust the Lord to lead us? Because He is present with us. He has walked in our shoes. He does understand your struggles. And He is even present with us now to take hold of your hand and to lead you where you need to go. How do we walk forward in this time of uncertainty? We don't look within and trust our hearts. We don't look without to the ever-changing opinions of others, which is just a reflection of their darkened hearts. Rather, we look to the Lord Jesus Christ and we follow Him because He makes the darkness of this world light. Now, you might object when someone tries to give you advice. You might say, you know, you don't understand where I have been. You don't know me. You don't know my situation. You haven't been with me. And that might be true for everyone else in your life. But the Lord's presence has been with you all of your life. He understands. And through the Lord Jesus Christ, He is there to guide you in the way everlasting. Have you ever found yourself using the wrong tool for the job? Something that wasn't designed to do what you wanted to do? Once I needed a hammer, it was a simple job. But instead of retrieving one from the basement that would have taken me probably about three minutes, I decided to do the lazy thing and grabbed a nearby hardback book. And I started whacking at the nail. And instead of fastening it down, it just tore the cover of the book all up. And so I said, well, I'll try a new tactic here. I took my book, and instead of hitting it like this, I said, well, the spine's a little bit harder. I'll try to hit it like this. And what do you think happened? Well, I tore the spine of the book up, and I did not accomplish what I was trying to do. You see, in the end, my laziness resulted in me destroying a book and still having to go downstairs and find a hammer to complete the task. And I share this story because so often... In our lives, we find ourselves living in ways that we were not designed to live. In destructive ways, not acting according to the way that God has created us. Yet our Creator, the Lord, knows how and for what He has designed each and every one of us. And that means He knows how we are to live. Look at verses 13-16. through There we read, What a wonderful picture of the Lord's care and attention to your creation. You see, we know from the book of Genesis that God particularly created the first man and the first woman. And yet here we see that He has created each and every one of you in particular. He is pictured as knitting, as weaving, as molding, as authoring our lives. Over the last 12 months, Rivermont has seen many little ones born into our congregation. And we are waiting excitedly for little Ellie Ruth Palumbo to be born in the next few months. My own little six-month-old Josephine can't wait for her new friend to arrive. And each of these little ones were planned, they were formed, and they were known before any of us knew them. In the secret place of their mother's womb, God has known and designed them, each one of them. We can't wait to meet them, but God knows and loves each one of them, for He has made them. And just as He has made each of these little ones, He has designed you as well. He made you. He knows what He has designed you for and the best path for your life. The world says, look to your heart. You can be whatever you want to be. But those are lies. Our hearts are blind. And we can't just be whatever we want to be without dire consequences. Like a book being ripped apart when it's used as a hammer, so too do we rip our lives apart and the lives of others apart when we reject God's created purpose and pursue sinful, selfish patterns of life. We are not good guides as to how we are to live in this world. We are a broken compass. Again, as the Lord Jesus has taught us, out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. This is where the heart will lead you. But that is not what you were designed for. For God has created each and every one of us. He has a good plan and purpose for us. He has designed you for His glory and for your good. And so you must trust the design that God has for you. For though we have rebelled against what God has created us to be through the Lord Jesus Christ, he has accomplished within us a new creation. By his saving work, he takes out of us our hearts of stone and gives to us a new heart, a heart of flesh. Aren't you tired of living contrary to your created purpose? Aren't you tired of being controlled by your sinful desires? Then look to Christ in faith, turning away from your sin and trusting that through Him you will be a new creation. You will be led in the way everlasting. You see, this psalm is teaching us that we must each trust the Lord to lead us In the proper paths, because He knows us, because He is with us, and because He has designed us. And this means that each of us must call out to the Lord daily, verses 23 through 24, in some form or fashion. We need to call out to the Lord Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You see, we are darkened in our understanding of ourselves. Our hearts are deceitful. They will lead us in the wrong way. And so we need to call out to God. Search me, God. Reveal to me, O God, the grievous ways that are in me and You lead me in this life. For we remain blind to our sin and destructive behaviors until the Lord opens our eyes. It reminds me of a time in college when I was driving through campus and everyone was pointing and waving at me like they were trying to get my attention. I wasn't sure what was happening, so I just waved back. I must have thought, hey, I'm a pretty cool guy. Everybody on campus seems to know me, so I just kept waving. When finally I got to my destination and I got out of my car, I saw what everybody had been making such a fuss about. For a ten-foot-long, leaf-filled branch was sticking straight out of the side of my real rear wheel well. This branch had obviously been dragging a line the sidewalks of the University of Georgia, tripping people and causing general chaos as I drove down the streets. And I was oblivious to it. I couldn't see it. It was so low down that I couldn't see it out of the mirrors that I had. I needed an outside witness to tell me what was going on. What was apparent to everyone else was completely hidden to me. And Christian, so often in our own lives, our sin is causing general destruction and chaos all around us, and we just don't see it. We need to pray that the God who knows all things would search our hearts and reveal to us the hidden sin within. And then we need to repent and follow the Lord Jesus Christ in the way everlasting. For by His death on the cross, He has won freedom from sin. And by His resurrection from the dead, He has opened the way to eternal life. In the name of the Father and of the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, we ask now in this time that You would shine the light of Your Word and of Your Spirit into our darkened hearts and that You would reveal the sinful and grievous ways within us that we do not see And that You would place us on the path to everlasting life. We know that the way to destruction is wide and that many are following it. But the way to everlasting life is narrow. So would You lead us that we might truly follow it all the days of our lives and through Jesus Christ and His grace to us attain to life everlasting. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.